starting a business is really tough from scratch. Let's say your real estate investing business. You quit your job. You're used to making a certain amount of money. And then you quit and you go to making no money. Don't do that. Start buying properties on the side. Build up a portfolio. And then when you quit your job, it's when you're making as much money from your portfolio as your job. Listen, everybody. We all know that real estate is the most proven way to build wealth. But why isn't everyone wealthy from real estate then? It's hard to know where to start. And most of the education out there is just complete trash. And you end up investing your money on a series of courses instead of in real estate. That's not how this podcast works. We give you the blueprint to successful real estate investing and bring on guests actually willing to share their secrets. I started my real estate investing journey as a freshman in college when I bought my first duplex and have been in the trenches doing deals ever since. And today, I now own hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. On this podcast, you will learn what you actually need to know to be a successful active or passive real estate investor. And we'll offer our takes on what's happening today so you can navigate this market and build wealth. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Brenneman Blueprint. Welcome to the Brenneman Blueprint. I'm your host, Drew Brenneman. Today's episode is going to be about something I I probably get asked the most out of anything, and that's quitting your job or how to quit your job. And really, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on this and just going to kind of wing this episode, I guess, where, um, you know, this, I don't, I don't think everybody should quit their job and just really everybody should be entrepreneurs. You know, it's really not, uh, not cut out for everybody. And the ones who, who make it, I mean, there's really like a common thread through all of them. Um, I've had other guests on the podcast, Ryan Cahalan, Gabe Horstig, uh, guys that, you know, they had full-time jobs and were able to make the jump to a full-time real estate investor. And, you know, they have a very similar story to me on what kind of hard work that took and the nights and weekends while you're working your, uh, current job. And really, so it's not a, not an easy path. And so really what I'd kind of start with is I'd put the people that would ask the question to me into, into let's say, two camps where you have the uh, people who are not in real estate currently and they would like to quit their job and be a full-time real estate investor, but they don't have any properties yet. And then you have the people who work in real estate, but same thing, they don't own any properties themselves yet, and they also would like to quit their jobs and be full-time real estate investors. So think kind of first, I'd break down, you know, into those two camps. So think about which one you are out of those two. And then if you are in the first group, you know, let's say you aren't in the real estate industry, but you'd like to, um, you know, it's really, it's pretty simple from there where you just, uh, and I'll, I'll get into this, maybe some more action steps, but it's pretty, pretty simple. You just, you need to get educated, commit to it. And I wouldn't recommend spending too much time on the education part. You need to know sort of the basics. But uh, another another great episode that we had was with Mike Henning. Um, and he's still a part-time real estate investor, but he's got a huge portfolio. And he said when he started, his mindset was everybody eventually buys a house. And I knew I could buy a rental property too. So, you know, you might not have as much skill or knowledge as some of these people who are full-time real estate professionals at their day job, but you, you have a big advantage that they don't where for them getting started, it's tough. Um, people already in real estate to try to, 
invest, but be doing something that doesn't compete with the company you work for, where if you aren't in real estate, you have a huge advantage where you can just do whatever you want. And this is just like on the side investing that you're doing nights and weekends. So really, like I'd say, um, you know, kind of in those two camps and just to back up, if you are working in real estate, I have this an easy question to answer where if, if your boss came to you today and said, I got an offer for you, no salary, no bonus, but all the deals you do, well, let's split the profits on them or what our company gets on the promote or incentive fee and fees. Let's split 80, 20. I'll get, you get 20% of everything that you bring in, but you got to chip in 20% of the costs to uh, whatever, if you have an analyst or an office or any, any of the costs you got to pay those to no salary. If you wouldn't jump on that offer, it's not going to be for you in starting your own full-time thing. It's very difficult to do, and it's it's not uh, it's not something you can go in sort of half-hearted. And one of my favorite all-time quotes, I guess, is really Elon Musk. He was doing an interview, I think, for like 60 minutes, and they asked him if he had any words of encouragement or any inspiring words for would-be investors. And he said, if you need inspiring words, don't do it. And I can't think of something that's more true. When you're out on your own, you need to be completely self-motivated. The days of being at a job where you had deadlines uh, from other people or your boss or your manager or your VP or somebody pushing you, that's all gone. It's just you are on your own and you need to be self-motivated. So I would say the biggest hurdle to overcome out of anything is really just mental. You need to decide you will do it. When you think of what really like separates these people, the guys at the top or women at the top, like it's, it's really simple. They went after something. They went after it relentlessly. They had a vision. They pursued it and they didn't, they didn't quit. You know, when you think of some of these, you know, like the Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musk of the world, I mean, Elon, he, he's got a story when he's working on his first, uh, business, the one before PayPal, where they're working on, they have a website and he's works on the website at night. Uh, so the website could be live during the day and they just lived and slept in the office and that's what it took for him. And then fast forward, he sells his share of PayPal for a ton of money. He could just be sitting back and sort of retired for the rest of his life. And he presses it. He pushes, he doubles down on all of his money essentially into Tesla when it's on the verge of bankruptcy, he still goes for it. And that's, that's really entrepreneurship in a nutshell. Same thing, you know, Jeff Bezos, he, he had a really great quote that I saw on Instagram where he's talking and he goes, you know, really like entrepreneurship, having your own business, it's, it's very difficult and you need to be committed to your long-term vision and then flexible along the way. And what we're talking about now is the commitment to the long-term vision. You know, Jeff Bezos, he was motivated where he already had a high paying job before he started amazon.com. But he often says he didn't want to look back when he was 80 years old and regret he didn't go for starting this on his own. So he went for it. And that's where you need to be in your head, where the, the folks where they want to have a lot of 
get coffee with people who are out on their own. They want to have phone calls. They want to talk about doing it. This isn't going to be for them. This is, you just need to decide you want to do it and go do it. You know, and to start, it's a lot of it's going to be in your head. So I think that's a huge, huge, huge piece is deciding you'll do it and just getting after it. So uh, another thing, if you're sort of lacking, let's say, confidence, like, can you do it? Let's say, um, it's a hard thing too, to say like, oh, I'm lacking confidence or, you know, especially as uh, if this is, you know, guys, especially very fragile egos, it seems like where you can't be, you know, you, you can't be afraid to start. You might not be that confident getting going. If you're in real estate, you're looking at these people that are higher up than you and they really know a lot, they're experts, uh, and you feel, you know, maybe you don't know enough. And then same thing if you're not in the industry, like, of course, you don't know, you don't know much. You know, you're, you're maybe you have a, you're working a different field. Doesn't matter. You, you need to educate yourself to a certain extent. Then you just need to get going. You know, I started, I was a teenager. I read a couple books on real estate investing and then I just got going. And what I compared to what I know now in my late thirties, compared to what I knew in my late teens, it's, it's like, I, I didn't know anything when I was starting and that's how it's going to be for most people where you just learn so much by the actual doing, you just need to start small and actually get going. So really like where I would say, so to some actual steps, how do you get going? So again, going back to the episode with Ryan Cahalan, uh, Gabe Horstick, and then Mike Henning as well. And I'd really, really recommend to check those out. I mean, these are some highly successful people that came on the podcast and they all have essentially the same advice. And what is that advice? It's get something going on the side. It's the same advice I tell people all the time. Starting a business is really tough from scratch. Let's say your real estate investing business. You quit your job, you're used to making a certain amount of money, and then you quit and you go to making no money. Don't do that. Start buying properties on the side, build up a portfolio, and then when you quit your job, it's when you're making as much money from your portfolio as your job or you're, you're, you have enough coming in where you're confident you can get it to where you need it to be income wise. So that's, that's was their advice. And then I'll take it a step further. Cause this is, you know, what I, uh, what I did also, I know, uh, Gabe's situation quite well. And I mean, he did live, bought a three unit and he's lived in it for going on 20 years now. Um, as well, uh, you know, like that's, that's a, recipe that he used to keep his bills super low, plow all the money he made at his day job and from his real estate investments back into investments and not wasting money on, uh, you know, having the newest, nicest, best house. And he's still, he's still on the same property today has, so, you know, a hundred, $200 million of property that he's an owner in and, but he's plowing all his money back into his investments. And that's what I'd recommend where Mark Cuban's got a thing too. live like a student where that as long as you can keep your bills low, do that. That's going to help you get ahead big time where the less you spend on your actual, uh, day to day that you're, you have way more to invest. So number one, you got to save up money. Real estate takes money to, uh, invest. It's not the, the no money down stuff or, 
wholesaling deals to, to assign a contract and do these things to generate money, that's fine. But that's not actually real estate investing. That's just a business uh, where you're just making assignment fees. So this this is a, um, and, and I kind of just gloss over that, I guess, of wholesaling people that get deals under contract and then they sell the contract for money uh, to a, the actual real estate investor. So it is a way to make money in real estate, but you're not the investor in the property. You're just someone who's essentially got a job of getting properties under contract and reassigning them. So I would recommend, you know, you got to save up money. So you got to keep your bills low. You got to make sacrifices. Even for myself, I mean, the first year I had quit my job just to save money. And this is, I already had seven, eight properties and had replaced my income and saved up a six figure amount of money. I lived with my parents for a year just to further save money. And, uh, where I knew I was going to be traveling a lot that year. And I just wanted to have my runway of savings and money come in and go as long as possible. And for me, that made sense to do for a year. And, and also same, and we had Mike Hansen on the podcast. That's another great one for this piece where he's full-time investor, full-time realtor. And he did the same thing. He lived with his parents and he's also been in a three unit for, uh, this going on 10 plus years now, just living in one of the units to keep his bills low and buy more property. He's a broker. He plows as much money as he and his wife can back into their rental properties. So, I mean, you see the same theme coming up over and over again and how folks are doing it. So it's not really that complicated. <clears throat> you know, you need to save up money and then you need to get, get going and build up your portfolio enough before you quit your job. Just to quit your job with no uh, no portfolio, no deals. Uh, it's, it's too hard. You're gonna, you're putting too much stress on yourself. You're going to run out of money. I mean, you would need such a insane amount of money saved up to be able to put a down payment in on properties, to invest in properties, to pay all your bills. That's not the way that I've seen it be done successfully. It's, you need to have, uh, have a portfolio already making you money. And then essentially the, the time you quit is when your job is a nuisance where you don't need the money, you don't need the hassle and you'd be better off working on your main business. That's when you quit. So really, and for some people that takes different amounts of time, you know, I already, um, for me, it was a few years, but you know, for Ryan Cahalan, when he was on the podcast, he was at it for 20 years before he was able to fully make that jump full time. And it's not always easy. He had a he went out full time and it didn't work. You, you could say maybe, maybe looking back and say he made the, the jump too early. He did it. He regrouped. He went and got a job as a mortgage broker, kept buying deals on his own, went out again and boom, sky's the limit now for where he's off to where he, when he was on the podcast, he had $800 million of property. It's probably a billion plus by now. So it's just the same, same blueprint. Essentially everybody's following uh, to go out on their own, you know, it's, it others, there's other ways to do it, but though it's so the likelihood of success is so much lower. If you're going to quit your job, have no money coming in and start launching, let's say development deals where you need to build. It's, it takes too long to get deals. It takes very long to get deals going, get them, uh, under contract close and actually be making money from them. So this isn't, uh, it's very tough to do this. And so really like, so my advice then, okay, what would be your first deal? Like those are the steps kind of that you need to make, but what's the first deal you buy? That's also simple. 
None of this is complicated. A lot of the people, if you think that you've seen that have made a lot of money in real estate, they're not, uh, you know, a lot of us real estate investors, we like to joke, you know, I'm just a, a dumb real estate investor, you know, because it's not, it's not that complicated compared to a lot of businesses. And the first deal I recommend you buy something that's cash flow positive day one. And you, you don't, you're not going to know that much, you know, about investing in property. So don't overcomplicate it. Buy something that makes money day one and pay down your loan, cash flow, let it appreciate, make money over time. doesn't need to be more complicated than that. So on my first deal, I had that philosophy and I spent most of my time. So uh, let's say valuing a property. I'm brand new to this. This is not easy stuff in my opinion at the time. And so I think I have an idea how people are valuing these things. So I think I am paying a good price for this, but I don't really know, you know, I'm brand new, but what I did know is I can figure out what the rent should be. Look at what all the other buildings are charging and understand my month to month costs, property taxes, insurance, utilities, maintenance. Uh, I was going to manage it myself, you know, so I didn't put in a management fee, but that's also a rookie move where even if you're going to manage it yourself, underwrite, if you will, the deal. And again, when you're new there, you're underwriting. Don't be worried, worried about that. Like if mine was on a legal pad, I just added up what the costs were and, and what the rent would be and looked at how much it would make each year, divided that by my down payment. And that was my cash on cash return. And I liked the number. And my thought was I'm making this much money per month, per year. And worst case, I'll just keep the deal. If I don't like, if I overpay and I actually, I really don't know what I'm doing and I'm screwing up. Well, I know I got these income and expenses figured out right, and I'll make this much money every month, and I'll pay my loan down, and I'll just keep it. So eventually, I will make money on it. So, and that's when I say rookie move, like what a lot of people would do to calculate that percent return uh, to see is it a high enough percent where another investor might want to do it. Include a management fee. Include like you're hiring out the stuff you're going to do yourself. Where if you're handy, let's say, and you're going to make repairs, just in the budget put in like you're going to hire it out. And then if it, if you do that and then it makes, you know, 1% a year cash flow or zero or loses money, well, that's not a good deal to buy as the first one because the only reason it makes any money is because you're working on it. You know, at that point, it's like, why not just get a job as a maintenance person, you know, because essentially that's all you're, you're making there. But uh, at any rate, so focus on a simple deal, cash flow positive, and just start getting that snowball rolling of, uh, building your real estate portfolio. And this doesn't happen that quickly, but ideally you're uh, living below your means. You're saving money and go and buy another property in a year or two with the money that you made from this property and as well as your job. Um, and then it's, it's a slow burn, but that's how to get out and be successful with it. And I think for the people too, that are trying to, um, get going and do more complicated deals day one, you know, that, um, you know, I'd recommend against it. And if you, uh, you know, cause if, if you don't like for this advice so far, I'm assuming you have no, no track record, let's say, where you haven't been doing a lot of deals, um, yourself, but let's say you have done a lot of deals and you do have a track record at work, you're in real estate. Well, that's fine. But now you still, it's not that easy to get these deals put together. Still, you have the same problems as in the other scenario I'm running through where 
you know, you only have so much money yourself. So then you'd need to go out and get an investor. And on the first deals, this is not easy. So I would, um, again, just recommend investing your own money and, and learning from all those mistakes on your own dime. And then after that, you can go out, get an investor and, you know, show this is what I've done. So assuming you've done that, this is, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves now, but just, uh, if you're at that point, then this part of the episodes for you, if you've already got that first deal, you're already doing this, uh, sort of this playbook here. The next thing you're going to need to figure out is the loan guarantees and, and earnest money. So now let's say you have an investor, but they want to put their money in, um, just when the deal's closing, if it's not going to close, they don't want to have their money at risk. And also they're just investing in the deal. They don't want to be on the loan. So as you're building up your initial deals, start thinking about where would you get earnest money from? How could you get a loan approved? That's a bigger loan uh, and where, where to go for that. So, cause those are going to be your next hurdles as you get going. And sort of the way to, to work around that is again, saving up your own money uh, and then the, there's not that many options from there. There's, you know, for additional earnest money, you're going to have to find a friend or family member or somebody who could lend it to you and knows that you're, you're good for it. Where even if this deal doesn't work, you're going to need to pay it back so that they know you personally and they'd be willing to make that kind of loan, uh, potentially. So the way I've done it is I just, I saved, so I haven't borrowed money for earnest money yet I've had then as I got into some bigger deals uh, I was able to split it with some investors where, uh, again, but with the understanding where if this deal tanks, like I'm coming up with it. So I guess that was sort of like a, like a loan, but they were in the deal. So it wasn't explicitly a loan or anything. It was going to be part of their equity that they then put into the deal and then loan guarantees. So this just to touch on this real quick, typically lenders, they want to see uh, the person guaranteeing the loan. So this is uh, who's the who's going to be, we'll call it the co-signer, the loan guarantor, the non-recourse carbook guarantor, whatever terms you want to use. They they will, um, they want to have someone on the loan who has experience owning and operating this type of property for multiple years in the same market, a net worth equal to or greater than the loan amount, and usually at six months to 12 months of liquidity to pay for the debt service and some of the bills on it um, after the down payment's been made. So that's like a, that's a high hurdle potentially when you're early starting out. Let's say you're buying a $2 million property, you have an investor for it, uh, and you're going to borrow a million two, let's say for the loan. I mean, you need to have a net worth of a million two. So the workarounds for this potentially um, I mean, an obvious one would be if you had an investor who would be willing to sign on the loan, sure, all your problems are solved there. So if you have any investors that are willing to, are interested in participating in your, your business more, uh, make your life easy, give them a share of the profits and let them help with the earnest money, help with the loan guarantees. Your life will be so much easier. Don't get greedy. Just keep these deals uh, closing, keep them moving. And, you know, you can always, once your net worth is higher, if you, you don't necessarily need to work together forever. Um, but this is, this would be a good way to get ahead early. And then the other, the other thing too is, so those metrics that I gave, those are the most common in terms of the criteria you need to hit for non-recourse lending, but your local bank, your local credit union, 
they make the loan based on the property, yes, but also as much uh, on you. So if you have a relationship with a banker and could do a full recourse loan, and you, maybe you don't meet that criteria, but they look at your whole situation, they know you well, they'll they'll make the loan. So those that criteria you often hear about a net worth equal to or greater than the loan amount and the experience and everything. On a recourse loan, they're more flexible because they know you and it's really about that relationship, but also you're putting your entire net worth behind that loan anyways. So if your net worth wasn't enough, in my example of a million two, you're putting everything you got essentially behind that loan if needed and they'll make it. And these are the kind of things you need to do starting out. Sure, it'd be easy to say, don't sign any recourse loans, don't borrow any uh, earnest money or pursuit costs or anything. But the reality is you're going to have to take a lot of risk getting started. You're going to have execution risk that you're going to be brand new investment risk where you're not sure how to value properties. So that's why best way to do it, start out on your own with your own money. If you're lucky enough to have a family member or somebody, you know, that's a friend that has, um, that's wealthy and could invest money. Sure. Work with them, but don't overcomplicate it and start doing a hundred unit renovation deal as your first deal where you got a fancy or complicated waterfall you got to deal with. Keep it simple. That's a common thing we've heard from these other guests that are highly successful and from my story as well. So that's really, I think all I can think of now. So, um, again, just don't forget, uh, if you got any questions, feel free, reach out, um, on it, but this is the most common way we've seen it work, uh, just for myself and from other, other guests, other people I know that have made the jump from employee to full-time real estate investor. And definitely, um, you know, if, if you're not in real estate, it's, it's, it's still doable to invest full-time in real estate. I think probably most people that have a big individual portfolio, they didn't start out working in real estate. This was a side investment that got big for them and, and it can for you too. So thanks for joining us. Now, don't forget to check out our website, brendamin.com. We got all sorts of free resources on there. We got our blog. We have um, if you want to learn about the kind of deals we do, we have our portfolio, every deal that we've bought or sold is listed on there with how the deal worked, basically like a few, like a short case study. And then also we have our downloads. So we have a passive investing guidebook where if you want to, uh, just learn about how you can just invest in somebody else's deals and what to look for and how it all works, we have a guidebook there and just a bunch of other free resources. So don't forget to check out my website, brandaman.com. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you on the next episode. If you learned something from today's show, leave a review and hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy your podcast. Dive deeper into real estate investing on Brandaman Capital's website, brandaman.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Accredited investors can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the Invest Now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Brenneman Capital LLC and its subsidiaries. Views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. The speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.